think the more experience you can get or at least exposing yourself to different areas and why the areas look the way that they are, you want to you almost want to read the rules before you break them. I would make sure that you kind of go in, you understand what it is that you're looking to do because it's ultimately always going to make your, your processes better. Like we can all build, but it's like it's understanding the why behind everything because ultimately then if you understand the why and the objective, you can continue to evolve and, and, and keep it going. This is Rev Ops Demystified, the number one most downloaded podcast in revenue operations. We invite the brightest minds in RevOps onto the show to deconstruct the what, why, and how behind rep productivity, forecasting, metrics, and all things revenue. This podcast is brought to you by Ebster, a revenue intelligence platform used to identify risk in the pipeline and score customer engagement. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Sales Ops Demystified podcast, because today we have two guests. We have, well, Alex, would you say you're a guest or a host? Well, I think I've just been demoted, haven't I? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to take it as a chance to talk even more than normal. (laughs) Okay, good. So we have Alex, who who you guys should know, co-host, now demoted to guest. We also have Tony. Now, both Alex and Tony. Hey, Tony. Well, welcome to the show. I understand you've you've listened to a number of our episodes. I have, absolutely. <laughs> and, and so the, the goal of today's episode is to talk about a transition, a transition that we have been talking about on the show probably since like episode 37. And for people that may not know, we've done about 200 episodes. That transition is a transition from sales ops to rev ops. And so what we're going to do, we're going to look back at some of the highlights from the 200 episodes, and then we're going to talk about this shift and why we're going to be making a very special announcement at the end of this episode that you're going to have to wait to listen to. So let's kick off. And maybe I'll start with you, Tony, and I'm picking pick okay. on you here. Hello. <laughs> but from the episodes that you have listened to, and it doesn't have to be like a specific moment, but, but what do you think that we've done well or, or has been good from the show? I think... One thing that I take the most from is there's such a lack of here is a specific use case of doing a specific thing. And the more and more people that it is that I speak to, whether it's Alex internally, whether it's like one of our clients, it always brings to life. I'm like, oh, my God, there's that particular bit that I now know how to do or a different way of looking at it or a different metric to kind of look at a conversion between. So for me, I think it is not just talking about, oh, generally, this is sales ops, this is rev ops. And yeah, we, we do reporting and tech it is the it's the specific use cases and how they're applied to certain businesses within their industries and what it is that they're looking to to kind of gain. That that's for me is, is the real big one. It's the it's the most um it's the most one that lands for me. <laughs> and I, I just realized that we didn't actually introduce you, Tony. So Tony, head of <laughs> RevOps, yeah. RevOps at Ebster. So yeah, thank you for that for that feedback. I totally agree. Um Alex, has there been like one specific highlight for you? Oh, one. I, I I thought about two. Just one. <laughs> um, 
I think must have been well, it was one of my earlier episodes. We did an episode with um, Dana Tyrion from Genesis, and that was probably one of my my all time favourites. He just said something that was so clear. I think other people have said it in many different ways, but he put it so clearly that really the goal of of RevOps and the processes we design and the sort of the tech we implement and just generally how we set it up is to really enable those kind of um, those commercial teams. And so a lot of people have talked about them being the customer, but he said, we've got to make sure we're looking to do everything through their lens and, and not just um, not just sort of serving them as the customer, but more, you know, we want to design this experience for them that, um, you know, makes them want to stay and work for us, not go somewhere else. And, and he linked it to things like, um, you know, Garmin or Apple Watch, you know, fitness trackers. We, we need to compete on that kind of um, B2C experience with our own, um, you know, our own teams, our own employees really give them um, an unrivaled experience, not not worrying about just competing on comp, but really giving them things that they would choose themselves, particularly he mentioned when it comes to tech, you know, that they would actually choose to use themselves, not just something we've saddled them with because we've got a certain requirement. And that was just really eye-opening um, for me, particularly with some of the stuff I do, I get to feed back into our, our product design and as a really, you know, a great concept to sort of lead the, the kind of request for what we want. I thought that was fantastic. It's funny because me and Alex didn't talk about our best moments prior to this. And the thing that I've, or my biggest insight that I've learned from sales professionals, which I've then applied into other areas of my working life, is that the salesperson is the customer. Mm. Tony, would you agree? 100%. I think when Alex wrote it down, also the customer, literally, um, I think we've got to, we've got to treat everybody the same. It's, um, it's as much as about getting from A to B, but you do that via enabling and supporting the people internally um, that kind of that need that help. So getting market to be able to market more, to get salespeople to be able to sell more. It's it's the it's the internal customer. And like you say, with any sort of tech or anything that it is that you put into the business, you've got to have that buy-in. And buy-in comes from making sure that your customers are happy. For sure. Now, the other thing I've quite liked, I'll share in a second. Before we go into that, I've got some stats. 200 episodes, obviously. In terms of downloads, and I'm going to put this as a quiz to the floor, we've been running for just over two years. If you had to take a stab at total downloads, maybe I'll give you like benchmarks. Do you think it's like over 50,000? Alex, you first. Yes. Tony, what do you think? The fact that you started there, I have to say yes. (laughs) (laughs) Do we think it's over 140,000? I've jumped right to it, basically. Yes. Correct. It is 140,593 downloads, but actually, that may not be... Yeah, that's it. 140,593 downloads. The most downloaded out of all episodes, and we're going to call her out here. I'm not going to ask Alice to guess because it'll be one out of uh, 200, but it was Kathy Chu. That was going to be my guess. Really? Yeah. Total of 4,128. Sorry, Alex, I should have given you the chance to guess there. Obviously, (laughs) Kathy is the SVP Worldwide Sales Strategy and Operations at VMware, so congratulations to Kathy. Anyway, the the other thing that I've taken away, and it's not so much a specific insight, but it's almost like the, I don't know, like the warmth that sales operations professionals have for each other. Like the, the warmth that we've got, Alex, specifically from more recent guests as the show has got more popular, like 
50 percent of guests at the end of recording like thank you so much for what you guys do for the for the profession um and we've been able to also connect get so let's say we had a guest i think it happened in in stockholm we had a guest who who was based there and then Three months later, we had another guest who was based there. We were able to connect them two together. And then I think they started like a little sales ops meetup in Stockholm. So it's like this warmth and the community that exists within the sales ops world. And we've been able to facilitate that a little bit, which I think has been super cool. Um, so I look forward to continuing that. Any other highlights that we've particularly enjoyed over the 200 episodes? I, I, I obviously have like favorites. <laughs> But I'm not gonna. I don't really want to call people out. Like, you're not allowed it, to say. You're not allowed to have favorites at all. Yeah, exactly. So every sales ops guest has been my favorite. Um, had a lot of fun with all of them. Learned a shed load from all of them. Like literally everyone. There's been a takeaway. Um, but Alex, I think you had a second one. Yeah. So so Tom's the parent with 200 children that he loves equally, and I'll <laughs> I'll, I'll give you I'll do the name dropping because it's. It's not so much about favourites, it's about things that particularly stood out as well. And and those, therefore, aren't necessarily you know actually better. They just were the things that were most important to you in the moment. The other one that made a massive difference to me was we did an interview with um, Hank Taylor that um, I really enjoyed. He was, um, was great, um, very knowledgeable, very confident, a lot of fun to talk to. But at the end, just <laughs> apologies to everyone, because after we... We hang up and we do the, you know, the goodbyes and the end piece. He just said, you know, he said, how did it go? And he goes, yeah, I enjoyed it. I just wish I got some of my hot takes. And we had this whole other conversation while we're all, you know, all realists, we should probably go to our next meeting, but we just don't want to leave. Um, and not only was it really interesting, but that actually informed how I changed the, my questions. And I realized, let me give more of the floor to people because people have their own things, whether it's a hot take or just something you've been thinking about recently and what a great way to try and end an episode is to actually hear those individual thoughts. And I found that since we've done that, that I've really noticed, um, you know, an increase in well quality content. So big shout out to Hank for, for all that inspiration there and, and apologies that none of his made it into the show because we stopped recording. <laughs> of course, shout out to Hank. Let's now move on to looking at this shift, this transition between or, or from sales to a more comprehensive let's say um revenue function um and i'm gonna pass more of the floor to you guys because obviously you guys live and breathe this kind of stuff so my first question i'll go to tony where do we think that revenue operations has come from really good question i think like with with anything i think everything's evolved doesn't it so we've now got predictable revenue models you split in the traditional 360 role and it's all come from being more efficient applying skill sets all these different areas and I think RevOps has kind of emerged because it just makes good sense it really does um <laughs> I would have, that's the strap line just makes good sense but um I think when you've got a sales team that's underpinned by really great ops and you've got some incredibly strong commercial leaders there's there's no stopping you and I think with revenue operations, if you're looking, if you're looking at the rest of the business with that lens, you've got a, a nice holistic view of the, of the big picture. But you've got aligned objectives, methodologies, goals, process, and ultimately you're going to be ensuring that you've got um, the same efficiencies um, and gains across the entirety of the bow. So you've got those same compound effects that can be applied absolutely everywhere. And I think. The sustainability of a business now is it's always going to be it's always going to be placed on how well um, you spot opportunities, but then also 
more after risk and, and loss aversion. Um, but we now know that the most the most opportunities that can be gained are the point of after sales. So it just makes good sense to have a really commercially focused operations teams that kind of sits end to end across the entirety of your sales cycle. It's just, I think, just a natural evolution of, of SaaS. The natural evolution, Alex, would you agree? Yes, I think the I would tie it in in a in a sort of a perspective of the same idea to you know the revolution or you know the evolution of the idea you know over the last you know, 10, 15 years or of, of really trying to make the seamless customer journey and and that became a you know almost a, an overly played thing. We all realised we need this seamless customer journey. We can't have them getting a different experience with different teams or you know different parts of the product, or whatever. And that's become you know as I said so well known. It's almost you know. Not, not very insightful anymore. But I think RevOps then really came out of understanding, well, if we want to make the journey seamless for the customer, we need to make the sort of the running of the teams internally seamless as well, because without that, um, we're set up for things to, to, you know, to clash and there to be gaps to things fall through the, the cracks and different teams pull in slightly different directions. So if we can manage and run the operation um, from that one um, centralised vantage point, then we can give that best chance to deliver that customer experience that we're aiming for totally agree i remember actually the fear of hubspot speaking at a conference and he was saying that because competition is expanding it's always getting easier and easier to build your product the way you differentiate is by having a great customer experience and i guess the revops team is gonna be able to help you with that why is uh, well i think we've probably answered this question we've answered why revops is like better than sales operations because you have this more cohesive journey for the customer. Is there any other ways that we would say Revo- like having a RevOps function is better for a business or for their customers than sales operations? I'll go. So I think for a start, what you call something doesn't necessarily impact what's actually happening. Um, so just just in case people, you know, we're not we're not saying if you've got the wrong title, but but the idea I think makes a difference. And I just one of the things I've been doing building some um, some dashboards for some customers that go across the sort of the full kind of life cycle of, of the, the commercial process. So from, from when we get human interaction from that sort of the SDR side all the way through to CS and just trying to think what, what needs to be there and realizing that, that all of them, you've got you know, your, your inputs and your outputs. But aside from the CS team um, at the end, you've got um, further outputs down the line that, that, that assess the quality of what you've produced to some extent, assuming that the next team are doing their job. So let's just say if you're an SDR and you're tasked to create a certain number of opportunities, well, actually, if those opportunities don't close, maybe you're not creating the right ones. And even if they do close, but they all churn, they don't grow, again, where are you really creating the right ones? And we need to have this, this united journey. So I think that's where it becomes really hard if you're trying to manage all those departments completely separately what happens if your close rates are too low? You know, you're not winning enough deals. Is that because you're qualifying poorly and you're pushing the wrong deals in? Is it is it because your sales team just aren't, aren't good enough or there's not enough of them or whatever? Or And again, if, if you've got churn or LTV problems, well, that could, have, that could have started at any part of the journey. And and having that unified way to, to run your whole commercial team, I think, can really mean that rather than that tendency for politics and a blame game and 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 people driven by different KPIs that they you know that can't be resolved. You've got a really much easier way to focus on a unified objective. Beautifully said. Do we think that a sales ops professional can like seamlessly move into their role in revenue operations? Like, what skills will they need to develop, or do we think it's going to be a seamless journey? We have had that with a number of guests actually, 
Alex that have come on and they've been ex-sales operations but then transitioned into RevOps. What should a sales ops professional consider if they're trying to make that move? I would say because I've worked with so many wonderful sales ops people when I was literally just selling. And just and I think that's probably why the community is so well, because they're such unsung heroes of like they sit in the background and they move all these different parts and never really get like a, a thank you in the background. I think if someone's considering um moving from sales ops to um rev ops, you wanna probably get more aligned with um the commercial leaders that are kind of there, kind of the sales managers, the VPs, all that sort of stuff. Because I think where the differences um lie is probably having more of um a strategic input. Revenue operations is is obviously you're over all different departments. You're looking at opportunities and you're looking at insights and data, and you're making sure that those kind of feed back into the entirety of of the ecosystem. So, if you're thinking about sales ops and it just being this this part, and you're enabling like KPIs and process and all that sort of stuff, um, it's so well versed in sales because it's always been like sales, sales, sales. Do the pipeline, do the pipeline. I think where the gap is is having knowledge around CS, having knowledge around marketing, knowledge around products wherever it where it it is that it sits and probably just getting more aligned to what people do day to day, what their objectives, what are their goals and wh- where is the opportunity outside of just great pipeline. Um, so I would say just get get a better understanding of how SaaS is kind of built, how it's put together and what the objectives are of each person and the methodology that it is that you use in sales ops can quite literally just be applied everywhere. It's just more so the, 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 the strategy behind it, I would say. And just to add to that, I think the... Um... As we talked about, Tommy, you mentioned, you know, the, the salesperson is the customer. That is seems to be the driving philosophy for literally almost everyone we've spoken to. Um, and and I think that means that the transition from, from sales ops to revenue should be relatively easy. You're already in a serving job and a job where you're not trying to be the hero, you're trying to enable others to to shine. And so I, I can't imagine a, a group of people better better ready to go and and just serve more people because really it's almost should be relatively seamless. And Tony's absolutely right. You know, there's going to be lots of extra knowledge that will be helpful on the journey. But at the same time, if you're managing a team, you're not, you shouldn't be doing it all yourself. So you can lean on others. And, and it's been really interesting talking to people who have different sort of setups of teams. You know, do you run RevOps with marketing ops, sales ops, CS ops underneath? Or do you run RevOps with, say, um, business analysts sort of reporting um, tech? and um, kind of comp, you know, there's all sorts of different ways to structure it. And I do wonder if it was the hybrid approach where you take um, kind of domain specialists, so someone who knows a lot about marketing as well as, and you look for, for specialists in both an, an area of the business, but also in an, in an area of um, of operations. So whether that's this sort of process driven, whether you're, you're in the tech, um, whatever it might be, and, and you create those sort of hybrid teams. Um, I keep talking, but one thing, there was a very influential video that Spotify released in development circles about how do you do um, agile working at scale and how do you how do you structure teams so that people can still learn from each other. And it was really helpful because one of the big things was you want to work with like-minded people on the same sort of teams, but you also want to learn from people who are a bit different to you. And so they've got some really great ideas there for how you can both work in sort of mini silos that are not completely separate, but but in, in kind of pods of people that are, you know, you've got a purpose together and you link while actually having cross cross pod sort of um, fertilization for a better term. So you're really benefiting from everyone and advancing your career. Very nice. What do we think that sales ops functions, what are the challenges going to be as they evolve 
into this model? What are the things that the, I guess, potentially even like the head of the CRO should be considering if he if he wants to inform his sales ops team that actually we're transitioning to RevOps? I think I think we've covered it in regards to kind of knowledge. I think, like you say, it's the whole point of, and it, it rolls into what Alex just said there, like some of the best businesses um, that have just gone from zero to millions and millions of pounds are the ones that have been built by previous engineers. Like you'd, they're, they're not even to salespeople. It's about building things that genuinely work. And I think more so than anything, I don't, Every, RevOps looks different in every single business, which is why it's so great that you guys have been doing so many different use cases and how it's set up and all that sort of stuff. Because you can say, right, what the challenges is that you're going to face. And realistically, we don't really know what those are going to be. But I do believe that in my mind, the, the setup of how that looks is um, sales ops, you've got your marketing ops and you've got whatever ops in the, in, in the background, but you've got RevOps kind of sitting on top of that, making sure that it feeds the, the strategy. It has to be that lens. If you're going to have, um, RevOps, it's not going to be a bolt-on. I believe it's something that filters all the way through into these these ops teams. So it might be a, a little bit of a change and adjustment, um, but I think it will be more of an, an informed one. Definitely. I said earlier that, you know, in some ways the change could be easy. And also it doesn't necessarily matter what you're called. You could already be running in a RevOps manner. And in the same way, you could have your title changed from sales ops to RevOps and you could still run in a kind of more siloed manner um, where, where the teams are separate. So I think... It's going to very much depend on the business, but um, more, you know, I think more and more we're moving away from people in the workplace being kind of individuals who who, who are just looking out for themselves and collaboration. It's just, it's by far the norm. Maybe I've just been fortunate to work in great companies, but, you know, and so I, I don't see there being big territory spats in most cases. Um, but again, if you, you, you sort out, figure out the leadership and the reporting model, um, what, you know, and, and with anything like this, if you're if you're taking on something that you've not got lots of direct experience on, you're going to have to lean on other people anyway. That should all help that kind of collaborative working as you you work out. You know, you're a team where you need each other. So um, I think I think that it shouldn't be too too challenging. But the main thing to do is to make sure it's not just a, a change in name, but it is a change in in structure and philosophy that 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 is mirrored through. So a question we've asked more to the start of the series was about whether a sales ops person needs experience in sales and the the or needs or it's helpful for a sales ops person to have experience in sales now tony obviously you have so actually let's get your insight here before i move on with my question yeah um yeah 100 i think even if it's not directly within a role i think you, you need to have experience of working very very closely with a sales team um understanding um why things look a certain way. So I think as a as a RevOps person, you need to almost act as like an internal consultant. You need to be talking about the people, um, what it is they're trying to deliver, all these different things. Because I've worked with um, sales ops in, in the past, and like I say, they're, they're doing these different bits, but if, if, if it doesn't translate of what it is that you're trying to achieve and then the data points that it is that you need and the, how the process needs to look, it's very, very difficult for it, again, not to become disjointed because you're looking at it through, through a different lens. So... I think the more experience you can get or at least um, exposing yourself to different areas and why the areas look the way that they are, you want to you almost want to read the rules before you break them. I would I would make sure that you kind of go in, you understand what it is that you're looking to do, because it's ultimately always going to make your, your processes better. Like we can all build, but it's like it's understanding the why behind everything, because ultimately, then if you understand the why and the objective, you can continue to evolve and, and, and keep it going. 
and just quickly, the counter to that, I think, is some of the people we've talked, you know, is is that direct experience yourself can tend to make you trust more on, on what you've experienced and think, you know, you're always right. Whereas a, a lack of first-hand experience, not understanding, can mean you're more tempted to really lean on the people living it. And so, again, if you've got experience in one organisation, it might be different to the one you're moving into. And, and so either either way, whether you have it or not, I think never assuming that just because you may you feel that you've walked, you know, in, in similar shoes, that it's the same as the shoes of the people you're working for. And I think, again, coming back to, um, you know, the, the salesperson or, or in, in the case of RevOps, you know, the, the commercial person being the customer is going to be really helpful to think, well, regardless of whether I've, you know, done this for 10 years, let me go and let, let me keep seeing and checking my ideas past them. And, and ultimately, you know, there's a decision to be made and, and sometimes, and you can't please everyone. Um, but I think having that approach mm. can mitigate some of the, the things, but I, I'm sure as you said to me, that having that experience is going to be massively helpful. Um, but it was just interesting with some, some of the people who've come from more operations background saying how you know, they're just very good at leaning on people who've got that direct uh, knowledge and really taking it in and helping bring you know, the wins from other areas of, of business in, into, the, into those departments. Yeah, without a doubt. I think it's definitely a mix. I mean, the first time I'm coming to EBSA, Alex and I, I think we scheduled like a 30-minute catch-up call and we ended up staying on the phone for like a, past an hour just talking about all these different um, variables of how we look at sales and how things move through the funnel. And I'll come out of the conversation, Alex, I think we both challenge each other about 20-odd times, but I come out of that conversation with a totally new perspective from Alex because he hadn't come from a sales background mm. and it was very methodical and very black and white. And I think the the community side of things is wonderful because it's it's very formulaic. It's like, well, you could look at this and look at this. Like you can't really argue with the the data and the insights that you kind of put together. So I think if you continue to learn, keep your ears open because everybody has a different lens that they're looking through, and ultimately, it's always just going to make you make you better. So thank you for the very nuanced responses there. My I was leading on to the fact that if a salesperson sales ops person is transitioning to RevOps, do we think we should send them? to be a customer support rep for a couple of weeks? I think it's going to depend on, on the organisation um, and, and, you know, the the amount of resource you have in the time. But I, I do think if, if you are transitioning to something you've got no experience of, some shadowing or, or working, you know, going in as a ju- junior on a team could probably could be quite helpful. Um, how, how that looks, um, you know, whether it's actually full full time for a while or whether you're just trying to do bits but but you, need, you probably need some way to broaden your your experience i would say no i think um especially coming from my own point of view is i'm i'm i lean into ops because i i didn't like doing sales i didn't like doing the extroverted kind of let's get on the phone let's do all that i think if objectively you're looking for somebody to really understand what the hell is going on and how they can absorb all these learnings is you want to build a team that is not scared of going, this is really great, but this is absolutely terrible. And the more that you can foster that environment, you're going to remove friction more and more and more and more. So if you can sit somebody else in that culture and go, right, speak at this person. How do we make your life better? How do we do this? You're ultimately going to get the best results. And also you're not going to kill that person's spirit as well. Like they're not going to sit there and be like, oh, my God, I've got to get on the phone. I don't feel like they need to feel it mm-hmm. firsthand in order to be able to get that. But you need the, the connection and the communication is huge. Like it, you need to create an environment that fosters being vulnerable to be able to be there. Great answer. Now for the special announcement. So as we've been 
threatening almost <laughs> over the past hundred episodes. You, you, you may have already guessed, but we are going to be rebranding the show from Sales Ops Demystified to RevOps Demystified as of this episode going live. So my final question to you guys is, what do we think? And now we've managed this transition. I'd, I'd like to say that perhaps the podcast has even accelerated the transition. What do we think is going to happen to the future of RevOps? What, what are we looking at in the next 12 to 24 months in this area? I think it's going to go bigger. It's going to go wider. It's going to go deeper into business. Um, I think it's such an exciting, exciting place to be. It's quite literally, oh, it used to look like that. Ah, oh, it doesn't matter. Rip, rip that apart. Stitch those bits together. Go over here. I think it's such an exciting space to be in because all businesses look different, which means the role can hybrid about. You can set it up however it is that you want. But I think the more we can apply the philosophy, the methodologies, the strategic input, the more we'd be able to grow business. And it means that people can start to specialize. They can start selling more, marketing more, doing all these different areas. And I'm just really excited about, well, first it was what over the last two, three years, it's gone sales ops, now rev ops. Like, what is it going to look like in two, three years? And what, what sort of influences is it going to have? But um, yeah, I think it's a very, very exciting space. So I'm looking forward to more and more happening on the show. Yeah, I kind of think that like sales ops is now taking over RevOps. Now maybe RevOps is just going to take over the whole company. And soon the CEO, like we won't need a CEO anymore. <laughs> the whole world. We won't need HR. Yeah. We'll just have a team of, of revenue <laughs> operations. You got a problem? No problem. Let me put it in a process. <laughs> <laughs> Would you agree, Alex? Like the end of... The end of the, the CEO. Of, uh, um, I might not sign <laughs> off on that one. But um, I'm not sure I'm going to be very good at predicting the future. So what, what I what I think by looking at, at where I think we are now, where we could be better, um, my thought is I still think a lot of our technology that we use is really more siloed. Um, and and obviously our team, we, we, we've got specialists. So And, and then the, the, op, the ops kind of run the gamut, but you don't have, for example, a... A revenue person who who does some you know is working the marketing team and and the sales team and see you know and and sort of experiencing across the thing you know we, we've we've found that um, the designer specialised there so I just wonder if if that next step is something where we we tie back in it's probably it's maybe even just to return to to using using something like Salesforce you know more as the primary thing throughout the business because maybe it's it's going back to go forwards but I just think because with the sort of proliferation of of, thing, of tools and things we have, some simplicity is probably the next step to create again that that seamless journey. Make sure everyone's systems are all properly talking to each other. You you still need um, that single single source of truth, and um, and I think that's not just for numbers for the CFO, but that's that needs to be on a sort of a daily reporting of an operations basis as well to really understand the flow through. Um, you know, of the, of the entire um, revenue journey and what's going on and be able to start to pinpoint things. And, and with that, I think, comes, you know, something that's already a transition, but really that focus on um, the experience of of the rep with the tech. So really, you know, how can we make their lives easier and easier? Um, and I think there's so much to do there with, with sort of data and intelligence around things like best next action, um, I still don't think we've really seen what's to come on on some of that. I, you know, I very much see like a 
yeah, like a sort of a console that really has you know, great intelligence and is, is busy priming you what the next thing to do on, on these ones, you know, whether you're CS rep and it's highlighting the accounts that are at risk or the ones for upsell or whether you're um, sales and sales and, and, you know, showing you the ones that you need to focus on now to, because they're going to be most likely to impact this quarter or whatever it may be. I still think there's more to come in, in that sphere and maybe it's not the next year, but maybe it's the next three to five think of more of a revolution in in how everyone interacts with technology um, that would be what i would hang my hat on and inevitably laugh at myself in five years time for getting it so wrong <laughs> yeah some wisdom there from alex right guys so a couple of thank yous i thank you alex for being a wonderful co-host over the past 50 episodes would you say i can't remember but wow 30 to 50 anyway you're blushing the the feedback on our new style of episodes where we like tag team almost so we jump in and out as hosting has been really good and it's also re-energized my me for the show as well so thank you for that tony hoping we see you more on the podcast maybe we can bring you on for specific episodes oh i would love it absolutely i can tell you a little bit more about what we're doing internally at ebster as well and uh yeah i'd love to yeah i mean if we get a sign off from the uh from the leadership team i'd love to like dig into the whole of uh, ebster's like rebels function i don't know if they would be happy with that but i think that would be valuable for the audience um, oh, I've got slides, slides oh, really? for days. Okay. So I'll, 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 I'll speak to, speak to the big bosses. Okay, awesome. Um, and then, of course, I need to thank the listeners because I think we have the most downloaded show in sales ops. It's quite hard to tell in the podcast podcasting world, but I'm pretty confident we're the most downloaded show in sales ops. And we have that because of the listeners and also because of the 200 guests who've been kind enough to share their wisdom. Now, the question remains, can we also become the most downloaded show in revenue operations? I think it's slightly more competitive but I, I'm also very confident in our skills to do that. So thank you to Alec, thank you to Tony, thank you to all our beautiful, wonderful, amazing guests, and of course, listeners. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Tom. Thank you for listening to this episode of RevOpt Demystified. If you're listening on a podcast, listening application, please follow, rate, and review the show. And if you have any questions about the show, can recommend a guest or just want to learn more about RevOps or Ebster, hit us up at podcast at ebster.com. Hold up. 